conversation. All right. So Sarah and I just agreed to have an unedited, although there could be some catastrophe editing for when we have long pauses or say something unbecoming. Um, But what we'd like to do today is have a rapid response to the results of the U.S. presidential and non-presidential elections that took place six days ago. Yes. So, Sarah, how... What'd you think? (laughs) How do I feel? Is that what you asked? Yeah. Um, I feel pretty awful. Yeah? About a lot of things. I feel awful about what, who our president is, or is about to be, and the decisions that he's made just in the, you know, like the cabinet kind of who's on his team, those things, I, they scare me. I, I am scared of a lot of things. I'm worried about a lot of people. I mean, like, I know that I am most likely, I myself am going to be okay. Sure. But so many people that I know and care about may not be okay and already aren't okay because there's been this, like, up, uh, uptick of violent incidents of people feeling empowered by this election to terrorize people of color and people they believe to be immigrants or people they believe to be Muslim or people they believe to be gay. And I, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. We're worried about that. And yeah. And then they're all like the feelings about how we got here, which are also terrible. Like what it says about our, the country that we live in. And I know that this is like not a surprise to people of color that America is as racist as it is. And that it's like, here, here I am catching up to like, we're more racist than I thought we were. (laughs) Yeah. It's not a good feeling. Like that doesn't feel good to know that I'm living in a country that's, I already thought it was racist. Like I did think it was racist. I didn't think it was this racist. And so now I'm living in a country that's even more racist than I thought it was. Okay, let me, because there was a part of me that thought when we got a chance to talk about this, um, that we would, because this is the first time we've had a chance to talk about this. We have not spoken of this. This is raw conversation. This is straight up exchange. But we both have had time, six days, to like live in this headspace. And I, you know, because, oh, yeah, I should mention, I just moved to Richmond, so I don't live in Chicago anymore. So, like, neither you or I now lives in Chicago, which is crazy. Um, But, yeah, so in Richmond, I've been um, trying to, like, put a life together here. And, you know, I'm sure I'll talk more about my move one day when things aren't so urgent. But as part of my new life, I've gotten onto, like, Facebook and tried to be a, a solid Facebooker, like, partially to stay in touch with all of my Chicago loved ones. Um, and then like Facebook is like quite a place to be lately. Yeah, it is definitely an echo chamber of sorrow, fear and grief. (laughs) And, and there, and I am also like definitely seeing like positive messages of support 
and uh, people, I see people being saying that they've been galvanized to do more than yeah. they had been doing before. That, that part is great. But it is, it is, I can only take so much of it at a, at a time because yeah. it does get, just get to be, yeah. And I also, I, I have to say that I feel like I either have better friends than most people or I have better curated who I'm Facebook friends with yeah. than a lot of people because I will see people commenting, you know, on their own walls like, Hey, haters, get off my wall. <laughs> and you know, like, or I don't even know if face if it's called a wall anymore. <laughs> but just you know, people saying that they're seeing like a lot of hatred and anger and things like that. And I only see that on other people's like in the comments of other people's threads. And I'm like, who are these people who are friends with you? who are saying hateful things to you. Yeah. Like, I don't, and I guess, you know, maybe that is a sign that I have not been reaching out beyond my comfort zone or beyond my, my own circle of liberalness. And I don't know any other people and other, and, and maybe other people are making a greater effort to, to have, friends or at least acquaintanceships with people who do not agree with them about many things. I would like to think that I am totally open to like, I'm, I want more friends that I disagree with, you know? And I feel like in this Facebook world, I have like three people who I, you know, like have seen that maybe voted for Trump. Only one confirmed. And I feel like, yeah, because I read an article once that said that, uh, like, conservatives were more likely to only hear one perspective. So, like, only Fox News or only talk radio kind of, like, um, like they weren't exposed to, like, as many different ideas. Um, but that liberals more, were more likely, so liberals were exposed to more ideas, but would take effort to silence those disagreement <laughs> ideas so like they're like liberals were more likely to unfriend people and like not watch shows that infuriated them you know yeah. or what have you yeah. so they so it's like liberals would chop out those different voices whereas conservatives just were never exposed in the first place i guess right um so yeah so it's been like amazing to like have that realization because it's truly like I'm blown away blown away that like you know they say like 60 million people voted for Trump and Hillary and it's like all the projections were that it would be a landslide just like Brexit and like there's all the Brexit comparisons but so it feels like you know you had to figure like 30 or 40 million people are going to be voting for Trump, right? Like, even in, like, a landslide victory. So that means, like, 20 million people or so, like, went un... You know, like, where did they come from? Like, they snuck by, like, the system? Like, that's just crazy to me. It's like a, it's like a failure of, like, the information age, you know? Well, yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of people are talking about the, like, what is the point of polls anymore and what is like so many people got this so wrong yeah 
And I think that is a, a, a part of the shock that people are feeling is that like feeling like you were certain, like, I feel like I know parents who told their children tomorrow you'll wake up and there'll be a woman as our president elect. Right. I told myself that (laughs) (laughs) when I was putting myself to bed. (laughs) Um, So yeah, there's definitely the the shock factor because we so believe the other thing. And there's also the shock factor of like, I don't, of not understanding how so many people could vote against their own best interests and the best interests of the people around them. Yes. Well, okay. So I have kind of a series of questions for you on okay. that topic. Um, okay. Because on that very subject, we had done the episodes about Hillary and yeah, we true. had determined, and I feel like maybe somewhat reluctantly determined <laughs> that we should let people vote their conscience instead of trying to manipulate them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, I think we, we de- and this, we have to remember that we had that conversation during the primaries. Yes. And so, boy, was that a different world. Well, right, because we were focused on Hillary and Bernie. Yes, exactly. And so I, I, I b- believe that I said that as a feminist, you are not required to vote for Hillary Clinton just because she's a woman. I do remember that being our position at the end of the episodes. Yes. Now, so here's my question. Okay, what's your question? Did we mess up? Should we? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I don't think we, I don't think that we messed up. Um, I was really surprised and felt hurt and betrayed by the numbers, the percentages of white women who voted for Trump. And so I put some thought into that, that question, that idea of like, where, where did we, as white women who do not want Trump to be president, where did we go wrong? The 47% of you who voted. Because yeah. 53% of white women who voted, voted for Trump, they say. Right. So 47% of white women who voted did not vote for Trump. Yes, Exactly. So here's the thing. It's pretty close. <laughs> Which is horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And here, there are many reasons why it's horrible. I will, I will tell you some of them. <laughs> the thing is, is that uh, white women are human beings. And like other human beings, they vote according to their own best interests, their perceived best interests. Okay. So we should not be surprised that white women, like white men, voted for their best interests. I think that black women and black men and people of color, I think they voted for their best interests and that their perception of what was in their best interest was better than white people's perceptions of their best interests. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, because do you feel like they were more accurate in their... That's what you're saying? That is what I'm saying. And I'm saying that we can't 
be surprised that people voted in what they perceived to be their best interests. Um, but we can be uh, angry that, well, is angry the right word? I don't know. We can be something. I say not anger. I feel like anger, to me, one of the things I feel like I've been seeing, that everything's like so ratcheted up. And it's like, it's like a get out the vote sort of, you know, like everybody's trying to like create this loyalty to their side. And the, one of the ways they do it is like whipping people up into like a, like a rage frenzy, you know? And like, they use like fear and they use like othering and, it's just like, I don't know, like to me the fourth wave needs to like decidedly be like no more anger, no more fear, you know, like we got to work on I that. I disagree. I disagree completely and wholeheartedly with yeah? you. Yeah? I as a Quaker disagree with you completely and wholeheartedly. Because here's the thing, like <laughs> I feel like we as both white people yeah. do not get to tell anyone not to feel angry that their safety and well-being is being threatened. Like, I mean, we could do that. I don't think it would be a smart thing to do, and I don't think it would be a kind thing to do to tone police people oh. about how they are responding to, to a threat to their family, to their health, to their security. I see what you're saying. If someone feels angry about that, I'm not here to tell them not to feel angry about it. That is definitely not my job. I completely understand people feeling angry about the results of this election. Now, what we do with that anger, it like that then becomes the question of like, what's the best way to get what we want? Because it comes back to my thing about self-interest. Like it's all about self-interest. And I would like to think that people would understand that um, putting... Okay, th this gets down to the this whole, like, I, I understand, the, the whole thing where people say, like, I am not a racist, but I voted for Trump because I thought he would help me get a job. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that that's people putting their self-interests ahead of those of others. Right. And I, and I, I get putting your self-interest uh, ahead of others. I understand how that happens. But the, the part where I think we need to get at is, like, first of all, you can't separate the, like, you bought the racism. <laughs> I know you didn't want it. Yeah. It's not what you were shopping for. Yeah. But you bought it. You paid for it. And the people you bought it from benefited from your patronage. And they are using your patronage to make it seem like they are bigger than they are. So that, that's a big problem right there. And, and also the problem is people not recognizing that racism hurts them too. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That it is not, you might think, oh, well, I will get a job. And this, this racism problem, I'm not down with it. S somebody else not going bears to hurt the burden. Them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, is it is also going to hurt you. And yes. that's the thing I want to say to all the other white women who voted for Trump is like, that does hurt you. 
he does hurt you. Like everyone who's feeling mad about being called a racist because they voted for Trump, that's one of the ways that it hurts you. <laughs> yeah, <Is> that, <laughs> it is. <laughs> you get lumped in with a bunch of people you feel like you don't belong with. That's how a lot of people feel all of the time. That they're being looked at through a lens that does not represent them. Welcome to the, uh, there was a great, did you see, there was a great, Seth Meyers had one of his um, writers come out and talk, um, and she, she happens to be a black woman, and she basically said, like, welcome to the party, white people. You're <laughs> in your own country. Welcome to the party. You're looking at a person you don't know if they could be a Trump voter, they could be this person who brought this on us, like, Welcome to the party. We also like walk through the world and don't know these things. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's part of it is the thing we need to be better at is helping people to understand that even if you are white, racism hurts you. Okay. I'm, I'm writing that down. I feel like, um, because I feel like we need to do an episode on that. Yeah. And even if you're a man, sexism hurts you. Well, we've done quite a few episodes on that. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> and, but I'm just mean, like, that's the thing that I feel like people aren't seeing. Like, those 53% of white women who voted for Trump, I feel like they didn't understand all, and that's very whatever of me elitist or something presumptuous of me to say like oh you just didn't understand you poor benighted people well that's what i mean like that's what i mean i feel like we were saying like oh we have to trust people and we have to let them vote their conscience and we have to like you know that's what like female empowerment looks like and then like this is what female empowerment looks like. And here's the other thing I want to say, because I think that um, before we continue on that subject, I feel yeah. like, you know, talk, like what I feel like kind of needs to happen pronto and why I felt like there's some urgency is I feel like in us doing this episode, because I thought like, how can I put this in like a Facebook status? But I feel like it'd be too long. So I'm <laughs> like, let's make it an, un, you know, possibly an hour long podcast instead. Right. But the thing I want to say is that I feel like we talk all the time about like, oh my God, what a racist country this turns out to be. And it certainly feels that way. But like, you know, we've got all this data now about like who voted for who and like turnout and everything. And so like there was, and I looked this up, you know, in advance oh, because yeah, I feel like this is the thing that like, we all just need to take it down a notch. And I feel like it matters. And I just... Take what down a notch? Okay, so check this out. There's 231-ish uh, uh, million voters who are eligible voters. Okay, Eligible voters, okay. 231 million eligible voters. Only 128 million of those people voted. So that's 55%. That's, okay, so 55% yeah. okay. of people voted, of eligible voters voted. Mm -hmm. Um, which is like pretty much the free adult population because you have all these incarcerated folks who can't vote, um, which is a whole nother episode, right? Yeah. Um, so that means 44%, 44.4% of 
the eligible U.S. population, like the adult population, didn't vote in this election. Okay? So, step yeah. one. Like, let's all remember that. So we're only talking about 55% who voted. Now, half of the people who voted voted for just over half of the people who voted, <laughs> voted for, well, maybe not half with the third-party candidates and stuff. You get what I'm saying? Like, about yeah. half of that um, 128 voted for Hillary, okay? Mm -hmm. So now we're down into talking, like, a fraction, like half of 55% voted for Trump. And then, because of some of the exit polling stuff they were saying, they, they talked to that percentage of people, um, which is like 60 million, mm -hmm. like 20% of that 60 million said that they felt that Trump uh, did not have the temperament to serve effectively as a leader. And so, like, but still voted for him. Of the people who voted for him said that? Yes. 20% of people who voted for Trump said that he did not have the temperament to serve effectively as a leader. I don't understand. So, so here's the thing. Um, <laughs> and here's another one. 21% okay. said mm -hmm. that he is not honest and trustworthy. 21% of people who still voted for him said mm -hmm. that he is not honest and trustworthy. So just for the sake of simplicity, let's imagine that those are the same people. They said he's not qualified or, you know, he right. doesn't have the temperament. He's not trustworthy. 20%. So that's one, you know, 20%, one in five of mm -hmm. people who, of the 60 million, one right. in five voted for him, but thought that he is like not honest and trustworthy and didn't have the temperament. So I feel like when we talk about like, oh, the country and oh, the white women and like, oh, the white men, you know, it, I don't know. I feel like I'm like, no, we're talking about a fraction. And so like when we talk about action steps, what my first question for you is, in light of that sort of breakdown, which right away I feel like is a valuable thing to do, is like scope, like who are we talking about? Like, and you know, like first of all, do we even want to characterize these Trump voters as like the problem? You know, I in, you know, six days after the vote, I feel mm -hmm. like, all right, now we've got a list, you know? <laughs> like, I'm like, like, we have some clear evidence on who the 60 million folks we need to talk to are. But that was my first question with, like, our action steps is, like, do we care more in, you know, if we're going to target the hearts and minds of people? Well, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Let me stop. Is first question one, do we want to talk about changing the hearts and minds of people or do we want to talk about winning elections? Okay, I might need to think about that. That's a big question. For a moment, because I, I think they are connected. You would if, think so. If, if you, <laughs> yeah, you would think that if you, you change hearts and minds, you change how people voted. But what you're saying is that 20 million people, like, their hearts and minds were at least enough in uh, in line with my mind about his qualifications. Right. And they still... Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's like, you got to get at the whole heart and the whole mind. 
Well, and here's this major factor, um, like, you know, some insane, I think like 89% or something of um, the people who voted for Trump felt that the economy was their number one priority. So they, and you see this borne out in like some of the interviews that people are doing with like, why'd you vote for Trump? All these people are like, he's going to get me a job. And so like, yeah, he said racist stuff. Yeah, he said sexist stuff. But the number one like concern for me is the economy. And I think he'll make that right. And so then it's like, if fourth wave wants to win over that voter, then do we start like an economy campaign? You know, like if like all these people voted for Trump and all these people are saying that it wasn't because like they did it in spite of all these other things. Like you said, I feel very much like shocked and upset, you know, like and sort of disappointed. Like, I feel like there's like an integrity problem there that it's like someone can stand up and say those things. And that's not a deal breaker for you. Like. That, I feel like we have, like, an integrity problem. Like, I object to that behavior. But shelving my reaction to that, if you sit down and say, okay, so how am I going to change that person? Let's look at the world through that person's eyes. They're over here concerned about the economy. So, like, if I really wanted to get their vote for a female president in this, like, isolated incident, like, I would try to go and talk to them about the economy. And, like... You know what I mean? Like that, that our, our action step is so removed from like what I'm balking at. Like I'm balking at this thing that they're prepared to do. But if I want to change their behavior, I need to talk to them about something entirely different. But that would just win us that vote. It wouldn't solve that integrity problem. But I, I think that you need, because I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Hillary Clinton also talked about the economy and presented more concrete plans for how people would have jobs and or, or and and how um, and, and things that would financially impact them, like um, paid leave for uh, both parents like that has like an economic impact on people it's it's just that 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 either they were not listening at all Mm -hmm. or when they listened they did not believe her right um and i think there's some of like being sold a bill of goods about who is responsible for your bad economic situation. Totally, totally. I see that too. And so if you believe that it is either her fault or Obama's fault or immigrants' fault or refugees' fault that you don't have a job or that your economic situation is whatever, then I don't know, like, then then you got to solve that problem too. And a lot of that does connect with the racism and the sexism and the otherism that was underlying. I just feel like Donald Trump used all of, all of those issues and vamped it up. Yeah. Yes. To get, to, to get at people, um, and and somehow managed to convince them that it was better for them 
to have a job than for every, you know, than for all of these other, you know, and all of these other people are part of the problem and thus you don't have to care about what happens to them. Yeah. And so that's, that's just hugely problematic in so many ways. And I don't know how you counter that without getting at the racism and the sexism and the otherism, and, you know, and the homophobia and all, like all of those things yeah. are part of what I think made some people believe him is like, I, I think there, there is some, even like some of these people who are saying, I am not racist. I voted for Trump because I believe in this. Like there is inherent racism and sexism and homophobia and all of that, that, that makes, that makes it okay for you to put your job ahead of someone else's life. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that if you, I would like to think, even given the formula of self-interest that I presented, that people are going to go for their self-interest, I would like to think that if someone presented you with like, you can have a job, but if you take this job, it's going to kill people. Right. I would like I would like to think that people would be like, oh well, I don't want a job if that's what it costs. I'm gonna have to get a different job than that that kills new right. people. Yeah. Exactly. I don't want a job in that circumstance. Right. Because that would hurt me to know that I was part of that. Yes. That I contributed to that. And that that is where the disconnect is. Is and I feel like the only way that it is acceptable to you to put your job ahead of other people's health and safety and well-being is if you don't see those other people as being worth as much consideration as you. And I think that's accurate. You know, I'm sure that there's like so many tests that you could give, and probably to like people who voted for Hillary as well. Like, there's a lot of ways in which like we all other. You know, like other other people kind of oh, deal. Yes. Um, but yeah, it seems like there is like a story that was created that, uh, you know, like all these Trump voters bought into that like Trump's gonna fix them and that other people in that story are like they're profiting at the expense of the Trump voter, you know? Mm -hmm. And the Trump voter is gonna put an like put an end to that um okay so yes wait can i just say one more thing yeah the, uh, on this it's this fallacy of the of the the win lose that oh, I yes think yes that trump convinced people that the only way for them to win was for other people to lose yeah and that is not true. That is not actually the way the world works. Mm -hmm. Someone doesn't have to lose in order for you to win. Someone doesn't have to be on the bottom in order for you to be on the top. We can all be on, on the metaphoric top together. Mm -hmm. I think we can. That's 
success plateau, just like gender plateau. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. Prosperity plateau. Um, yes, totally agree. So in light of this information where we know, like, the, so the way I've been kind of looking at this is like, you know, obviously we're amazing and we can change all the hearts and minds. So it's really just a question of like, who do we want to focus on first? And if our goal is to win elections, I think that changes like who we want to target versus, you know, in terms of like reshaping their minds with the fourth wave, like who gets the, who gets this first dose of fourth wave, you know? And yeah. I think that if our intention is to win elections, we're going to choose a different group of people than if our intention is to change hearts and minds, you know? Um, that is just my guess. But I wanted to hear what you thought. And, I, you know, I have, like, whenever I'm thinking about an episode, I basically come up with a list of questions to ask you that I have no answer for. So, like, every time I ask you a question, I start thinking about it, too. Because I don't know. Yes. Uh, I don't know either. And it, it does raise this interesting... This interesting dilemma. Because I feel like we already spend so much time talking to and about white people. Right. And the and in this instance, the white people are the problem. And so it makes sense to address things to them. But right. at the same time, like I and and I know that like there is there's definitely something to be said for like like we gotta collect our own. We've got to collect our fellow white people. We cannot expect for people of color to do all of the work of convincing white people to stop being assholes. Like, that's our job. It is our job to convince our fellow white people to stop being assholes. Um, Allow me to... But I, do, I feel like, uh, yeah... I, I totally respect like all of the conversation that we're having again, just about, about you know, like about white people <laughs> like that. Like I'm, I'm bored with white people as a white person. I, I, I find us tedious often. Yes. So here are some populations to think about. Because, um, okay. well, first, allow me to inspire you very quickly to not oh. think of yourself as a white person. Because I feel like I understand completely what you're saying about that. And I know that you, um, and I would like to think myself, are, like we are highly in tune with that struggle, you know, that people of color often feel like they are trying to be like these ambassadors to white people and these educators of white people and how exhausting that must be. And I feel like you do that for me, like as a woman, that you, it must be tiresome to constantly explain things to me. But I would think like, at, like you know, the fourth wave, it's an aspirational movement. And I think that it's important that you and I think beyond our own individual 
um, identities, you know? Like, I feel like we need to be unencumbered by, <laughs> you know? Like, I think that's what we do is we think outside of the box. And I think that I would like to think that we try as hard as anyone ever has to shed our own biases and experiences and that kind of thing in favor of that, those of other people. And we try to come up with like the everybody cocktail. And that's why I think I get nervous when we start thinking about all these Trump voters um, as being like a bunch of idiots. I either want to feel like, no, no, they're knowledgeable people who belong in our everybody cocktail of understanding and like respect. Or I think we should go the other way where we're like just hardcore, like, no, you're wrong idiots and we have to fix you, <laughs> you know? Like, I feel like I don't want to be in this gray area where we're sort of like, well, it's cute and, you know, you should have your own different ideas, but it's important that we ignore those because we know they're wrong, but we kind of like ticky-tack around how we say that. Like, I want to be like, either we do respect you and your experience or you're so wrong and dangerous that we absolutely have to like figure out how to change your beliefs. And I, you know, I can see you having that thought where you're like, I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in the gray area. <laughs> <laughs> but wouldn't it be convenient if it were one or the other? <laughs> well, yes, it would always be convenient if things were <laughs> clearly one thing or clearly another, but it is so rarely case because human beings are complicated and we have come we have complex relationships and uh and and there are it's the whole like intersectionality thing about everyone has different layers and levels of where they are the oppressor or the the oppressed yeah and you know different lines al along which those Different, there are like different spectrums. It's all a spectrum, and we have intersecting, overlapping spectrums. Yeah. Which makes everything complicated. Um, yeah, I think, like, I feel like I've been thinking the, the most about, like, the people who are just, like, flat out racist and would basically own that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, KKK. Yeah. Type people. I don't have any... Um, hopes for reaching that person. Okay. And I have heard stories about it happening... But not because anyone, like, tried to make it happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, there are stories of people who were in the, the KKK and then, like, had some experience that opened their eyes to the humanity of the person, the group of people that they were oppressing. Or, like, and it's usually, like, you meet, they meet a person who, by being who they are, yeah, you know, opens their eyes to seeing something of themselves in that other person, something that they can recognize, some some commonality 
that they're or they are able to access. And then it and dawns on them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, but the idea of specifically like going for those for that section of the population just feels like, wow, there are way more um, effective ways. Yeah. And I think more about that person who who says, I am not racist, but I voted for Trump because I thought he would give, I will, will get a job from him. I feel like that person who does not want to be who does not want to be racist. I feel like that person, you, you could figure, you could figure out a way to show them how, because if they don't want to be racist, they don't want to be perceived as being racist. And you could show them like, you have done this thing that aids and abets yeah. racists and racism. I feel like they would feel uncomfortable with that. Right. And, and and in discomfort, that's the door opening. I think. I think so too. And I. But it's cool. Yeah, and like I think that it's an interesting way you phrase that because you know we have so we have like the conversation about like do we want to win elections and then like we can think of these different populations and what we now know about them and I think this is a good way to break it up. Um, in terms of getting their vote. But then we could also just look at this and, and kind of think of these populations as like being at different levels of need of the fourth wave, you know? So like, I'm with you that like, maybe the highest need folks um, are like the diehard, never gonna change KKK folks, right? And so like, if 60 million people voted for Trump, we can figure maybe like 20 million, you know, like let's, figure a third of those are the diehards and 40 million, you know, two thirds are uh, like the, I'm not racist. I just want a job, you know, or like, I'm not racist. I just am against terrorism, you know, or whatever, whatever the story is in their head. Yeah. Um, so we feel like that 40 million is like a high need population that is perhaps reachable with our efforts. Yes. Okay. And then, so Here's another question I have. When we think of these populations, like we've got that 40 million, but then we have like 102 million um, who didn't vote at all. So it's like, we don't know about those people. Yeah, they could be anything. They could be any, any version of these things. Yes, and I do, and I've been thinking a lot about, the, about that group of people also yeah. and just wondering like what what that means like what percentage of the people who did not vote was it just like was it really difficult for them to vote somehow like it's not supposed to be yeah but you know there's a lot of things that aren't supposed to be and like maybe there is a certain number of people who for whom like it the circumstances in, in which we conduct our elections are just not, you know, places where there's no early voting or, like, that would be really interesting to know, like, how many, I wonder if they have, they like, do. a break. I'm oh. looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
102,000, or I'm sorry, 102,700,000 people did not vote in this election. 17.5% um, of them said that they were too busy and had conflicting schedules. Uh, so 17.5%, just too busy. Uh, the next, uh, about 15% said that illness or disability. And then 13%-ish said that they were not interested. Uh, another 13% said that they did not like the candidates or the campaign issues. 11% said other. <laughs> All right. I think that's our sweet spot. I feel like we should deal with the other. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like the, the people who are were not interested... I mean, I don't know. Like, if you're not interested in <laughs> whether or not a racist, misogynist, homophobe who hates <laughs> Muslims is the president of the United States, if that's not interesting to you, <laughs> then I don't... I mean, I think I got to put you in the box with the people who are like, well, I'm not racist, but this. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, well, you certainly helped him out. Yeah. Well, and, like, that's the thing. That's, like, most people, like, if you break up the 55 that voted, mm -hmm. like, it's just a fraction of eligible voters who voted for Trump, you know? And so that's why when people get, like, carried away about, like, America's useless, America's ruined, I'm like, I don't think we need to, like, I, I don't want us to fly off the handle talking about, like, how horrible, like, all white women are, how horrible all white people are. Because I feel like if you, like, asked all the white people to line up and then said, raise your hand, it's just a fraction, you know, it's a big fraction, but it's, like, not half, you know? Yeah. And it's certainly, and I'm not saying all, because I definitely know a, a number of white people who, like most of the white people I know, did not vote for Trump. Right. And, 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 you know, a subset of those, those people worked really hard, like, you know, made phone calls and sent text messages and got people like went out and like picked people up at their houses and brought them to polling. Like they, they, they worked for it. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it comes back to that like discomfort thing. Like I think that we don't get to sit on one side and be like, well, I'm not one of them because I did this. Like, we do kind of have to see ourselves together because that's what's going to make us uncomfortable enough to keep working that hard or to work even harder. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to, like, I, I find that number embarrassing, that 53%, like, I'm embarrassed by that. I feel like I need to apologize to all of the cohorts who voted in you know, in greater percentages and be like, I'm sorry, we let the side down. So with that in mind, do you feel like we would have more of an effect 
whether because of our own skillful ability to change hearts and minds or because perhaps this, this population would be more receptive. But do you feel like we would be more successful ultimately um, trying to win over white women, you know? Like, should we target our fourth wave at white women or should we target it at, you know, other raced people? Because other raced people voted for Trump at 37%. Um, and should we try to get back that 37%, you know, like, or should we look at men? Cause men voted for Trump. Uh, what I mean, I think that it's, I mean, if we're talking about fourth wave feminism, I think that's for meant to be for everyone. And like, if you're talking about like having an election, turn it in the direction that is most in line with our beliefs, then you have to be pragmatic and look at the, you know, there are some people who are already with you, whether they're already with the fourth wave or not, they are, their, their interests are aligned with your interests. Right. And so for the sake of the election, you don't need to worry about them. Right. And I mean, but I mean, that, I think that might be part of the problem is that they're, were probably people who felt like, oh, we don't need to worry about white women because they're with us, but not enough <laughs> were. Yeah. So I, that's where I think it gets different. Like, I feel like when you're talking about a practical, concrete thing, like winning an election, then you have to be pragmatic. Okay. But if you're talking more about, like, who is fourth wave feminism for... I want it to be for everyone. And that's where I get into, like, I certainly do not want uh, to be a part of a thing whose job is only talking to white people. Okay. I do think that part of my job is talking to white people as a white person. Uh, and yes. say, get Please, please come join us on the train to the, the arc of history. <laughs> He's bending towards justice. Please get on the justice bus with us. <laughs> Don't be left behind by the justice bus. <laughs> um, but if we're talking about like fourth, like fourth wave feminism, the whole idea of it, then I want us to be, you know, we need to be talking with a lot of people. We need to be shutting up and letting a lot of other people talk. You know, yeah, those things. Yeah, I'd be so I'm so ready and so happy to shut up and let other people say what you know what they want and what they need and what they would want fourth wave feminism to be. Well, that's a good point. Um, I just feel like we have this sort of we got this huge data dump, and yeah it feels like this is like an insight into like, like a, like a check-in almost because it was, it felt like a very clear cut accounting for what people are okay with or not. And I feel like to me, my reaction is, okay, we should specifically look at the people who gave a pass to this, rhetoric you know so like mm -hmm. when somebody says i'm not racist but i gave it a pass because i care about this thing 
I'm like, I want to take away that pass. Like I want in the future, I want you, or I want to like discuss the criteria of who gets a pass <laughs> because in my mind, I'm like, I don't want you to, to like, I want you to hear these things and be like, Oh, deal breaker, you know? Yeah. So like, to me, I'm specifically interested in the people who, uh, who I want them to feel like they heard a deal breaker statement and then the deal was broken as a result of it. Right. So in my mind, we have a few target populations by which to address that. And some of that is like white women at 53%. Um, so I'm like, we need to find those 53% of white women and be like, let's discuss the criteria of who gets a pass. Right. <laughs> and and that, or vice versa, we have 53% of all men who voted in the election, which is not 53% of all American eligible men. You know, it's only 53% of those who vote in the election. And so I'm like, let's, do we want to do some episodes specifically? You know what I mean? Like, should we think in terms of like, let's program in their direction, you know? And if, and then with those being pretty similar, 53% of white women, I mean, there's obviously more men. We'll get more bang for our buck if we go after the 53% of all men, no matter their race. Um, yeah, but how, how, how that is just like such a I don't think there's like one thing that you can do that would be like well this is going to be of interest to all men well we only want it to be of interest to 53 percent of male U.S. voters in 2016 I just feel like that is a large swathe and it's not it's not practical. I think we can think of something. You know what I mean? Like that, that gets to the same thing of like the waves of feminism and like the second wave, the whole thing of going from the second wave to the third wave is that the third wave was like, Hey, second wave, your approach was you, your approach, you were calling it one size fits all, but it did not fit me. Right. Like it fit you. Your one size fitting all of you does not fit me. And, you know, and then there being like multiple uh, different angles from which, you know, people were saying that. And I think that you will have the same issue with this 53% of all men who, I don't think, who, who voted for Trump. I don't think there's one thing Aside from all the, the one thing they have in common is that they all voted for Trump. But like within like their reasons for doing that, I think are different. And so you need a different approach for those different reasons. Okay. So in that, like what I'm hearing you kind of say is if these people, so let me ask first question. Do you think, this whole idea of like these people gave a pass to Trump and the fourth wave is going to respond to that by trying to make it so that in the future they would not give a pass to Trump. Is that a good use of our time? Yes. I would like for it not to be the only use of our time. Oh, definitely not. I, yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
that is that is a useful thing to do is helping people to understand that the the damage of giving a pass to racism and misogyny and homophobia and 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 all of the other things so okay perfect because that's where i got to as well i was like i think we need to try to make it clear why you why fourth wave is not down you know we don't want you to give a pass to someone saying these things right okay yeah. so in that case the target audience for that is the 60 people who gave a pass you know and I'm saying, like, yeah, we could try to program for that. I mean, that's probably a good place to do it. Um, but then I'm like, but we have, like, subsets of that information. And then so I'm saying, is there, should we work on saying, like, okay, white women who gave the pass, like, let's specifically talk about, you know, research the areas, like, why did you give the pass? What did you say? Was your thinking? And then we can, like, try to target why that isn't okay or should we just be like anybody who gave a pass i think we just want to stick at that level i see what you're saying i'm <laughs> missing something because there was no end to that sentence i feel like um yeah like trying to give the like hey 53 percent of men that gave the pass like or men who voted who gave the pass you know um like, we're giving you a special episode explaining, like, you said your reasons for giving the pass were the economy and terrorism or whatever. Then, like, we can address that, you know? And maybe those di those reasons are different than, like, the women who gave, the, the white women who gave the pass. And then, like, 24% of Latina, like, uh, of Latina women also gave the pass. And it's like what <laughs> like that's shocking to me because like less than five percent of african-american or black women gave that gave the pass so it seems like black women and you and me yeah <laughs> we all we all are on the same page you know <laughs> like, yeah yeah i think I, I think part of it is um yeah i mean i don't i don't know i i was thinking about what that means about how how present the threats are in different communities mm -hmm. because i think that it it makes sense that the people who feel most threatened and so a black woman who has the racism problem with trump and the misogyny problem with trump like that makes sense that there's that like kind of double whammy intersection of like, I feel extra threatened by the prospect of you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and why other, other um, women specifically who, who also had other like intersections of, of threat, like didn't, didn't come out in higher numbers in that direction like that. I'm, I'm very curious about, about that. And I think that I, the, probably I'm making assumptions about the different levels of threat that people feel. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, but it may. Uh, I mean, I but I like follow your logic. Not every Latino woman is afraid she's going to be deported. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there are Latino women who aren't in a position where that, I guess, is is not a present concern for them. And so that might explain part of their willingness to give the pass. Yeah. Is that they, the dimensions of threat that they felt were, like I can only assume that if you voted for Trump, you did not feel personally threatened by him. I would agree with that, yeah. And they did not ask that question in the Edison research exit polling yeah. thing where they got all this, like, do you think he's trustworthy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, so what I'm not hearing you say is, okay. oh, my God, all these women voted for Trump. Let's deal, you know, like, priority one, let's get those women back on board. You know, like, you're not saying that. Like, you're not, you don't feel like responding to the women who voted for Trump is a higher priority than responding to the men who voted for Trump. And you're not... Well, let me pause and make sure you're not saying that. Um, no, I mean, I personally, as a woman, feel more embarrassed by the women who vote. It's like I have I higher expectations <laughs> of women as a targeted mi minority, like to think of other people, even though I know the history of feminism and of women's movements, and I know that white women have historically, even some of our kind of like heroes of suffrage were racist. Yeah. Did not include women of color in their considerations. Like I, I know that history and yet I still felt like as women, we would have a higher degree of empathy and understanding of for for other people. And you're saying that as a group that has experienced depression, not because women are so no, 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 no. sensitive and empathetic, yeah. like biologically. It's, no, as a group that has also experienced oppression, right? I would have expected us to have more understanding and more desire to uh, uh, to ally ourselves with other people who have experienced oppression. Yeah. Because together, like, we could have gotten this done. Right. <laughs> and that's what's, like, so clear. Um, and so here, speaking of that exact problem, um, you know, just because I looked this up and I think it's amazing, I, like, have to tell you. Because, <laughs> of course, there's, like, a whole response. And I'm sure, like, we have all these no-shows, you know, like, a ton of no-shows, 102 million no-shows. And there's, like, the, going to be this whole, like, get out the vote stuff. You know, got to get out the vote. If only everybody had showed up, we would have won, you know. Or we could have won harder or whatever. Because, like, the popular vote went to Hillary, you know. So right. it's, like, even of the people who showed up, more people voted for HRC. So, um, yeah. check out this. Hawaii had the lowest voter turnout. Blue state, 36%. Okay. 
too nice to decide. Okay. Then California had 43%. California, diehard, super blue, like most yeah. progressive state. Mm-hmm. 43% still went blue. And then you have uh, Arizona at 47.5. And yes, then Utah. They ruined it for us. Yeah, yes. Could have been a nice, like, continuous west coast line that made a nice crescent and arizona broke new mexico and colorado off from the rest of our blue state friend i don't know how close the vote was in arizona but i do know only 47.5 percent of eligible voters participated (laughs) so there's like a non-participation factor here so they obviously went red and then you got utah 48 percent you know like the fourth Mm -hmm. lowest turnout and then West Virginia, also red. So you got some low turnout red states. So like yeah. when you talk about getting out the vote, like California went blue and Hawaii went blue at the lowest. And then like Utah, West Virginia, Arizona, like we getting out the vote turn up. So then I was thinking, well, maybe we should, instead of talking about get out the vote, we should talk about suppressing the vote. Like we <laughs> should figure <laughs> No, that's not what we do. Well, so then I wanted to see just, you know, who turned out the most. And the highest was Maine. And they split. I I thought it was Minnesota. No, Minnesota, I've got it 68. Maine was 68.5. Ah, okay. So Maine was higher. Oh, yes, and they split their electoral vote. Yeah, and then Minnesota with 68. And then New Hampshire at 68. And I, like, you know, rounded these numbers. Yeah. Um, So those, you know, split and then blue and then blue. And then Wisconsin at 68. So Republican. And then Iowa at 67, Republican. So yeah. I really think suppress the vote should get some of our attention. Oh, why? <laughs> if we're trying to win elections, I guess. I mean, that... Ugh. But we're not. We're not trying to win elections. I mean, because then you get into this whole, like, electoral politics question versus popular vote and like just the 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 complexity of electoral politic considerations because i would i would expect voter turnout to be highest in swing states where the where i i think like a lot of the kind of get out the vote energy was focused right because it felt the most important to turn those states and like less and certainly like less energy was spent on Illinois. Like who paid any attention to Illinois? Yeah. Um, and so, and that just feels weird as a way, you know, like that's where we get into, like, if you're thinking just about winning elections, then you have to think about swing states and focusing on these particular states and that just feels wrong and then like target populations within the state you know yeah and so that was kind of my central question is like with all this data because like you know we hear a lot of like big reactions obviously um but i don't know that they're like calibrated and i feel like that's the thing i feel like i'm like if we're talking about hearts and minds then like that's a different conversation because it could be that we like continue fourth wave to focus on hearts and minds and at the expense of like, you know, it does nothing for necessarily winning elections, you know, because we're not targeting specific groups of people in specific locations. Right. 
So that's my central question is like, could we be more effective if we believe that like government representation is this major important thing, then like, should we get some scientificness, you know, like, should we start picking and choosing which hearts and minds? Well, okay, let, let, let's, let's take a step back from and say like, so there's a presidential election only once every four years. Yes. And only in a presidential election is electoral politics a factor. It is also important for governors and legislators and uh, state and local politicians. Like, those, those are also important. And one could argue in some ways are even more important. Yeah. Um, like, I think that we would all feel a lot better if we had, uh, A, a fully functioning Supreme Court right now, or B, a, a Democratic majority in either or both houses of Congress. Like, I would feel safer, because people talk about, like, checks and balances, and, like, our checks and balances system is fucked up right now <laughs> because there is no there is no check in, on um, the the things that Trump could do in the legislative branch. You're you're you would be counting on Republicans to have. I don't know for their for their for them to rein back the extremism, which is a, a tough sell to make me feel comfortable with the idea that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And then and right now we have this an eight person evenly split Supreme Court with the I think the strong likelihood is that that ninth person, when we finally get one, is going to be a Trump appointee mm -hmm. and, and therefore will tip the court by four. Right. So and that like, no checks. Well, so practically like the design wise, the check is working as it should. I, my understanding is because like the president's supposed to nominate someone and then Congress is supposed to like say yes or no. Um, and then, you know, the court is there to be the check and balance on the others. And, like, but you're right. Like, in, like, real life with, like, political, you know, because the court, like, we're not supposed to think, like, oh, there's, like, four liberals and four conservatives. And, like, everybody knows that because, like, they're supposed to be independent justices, you know. And so, like, we're not supposed to be able to yeah. predict how. But in the real world. Exactly. And, and we know that. So, yeah, in the real world, the. I understand the concern with the checks and balances, but like an argument could be made that the checks and balance system is working because Congress is checking the president to make sure that he doesn't load up the court with a liberal, you know, like, <laughs> but yeah, but since we all know that they are not, they're not, they're deliberately stalling, you know, they're not saying, no, we don't like that nominee. <clears throat> so yeah, you're right. 
Uh, but anyway, all, all of that was just to say that um, I think there there are multiple levels on which to think politically if that is what we're interested in doing. And, and so in a way that makes me feel like hearts and minds is the better way to go. Otherwise, like we're, you know, we're kind of, we'd have to be so strategic about each thing to be like, well, wh who is our audience? Yeah. What's trying to, like politically, what are we trying to accomplish? Like what, what day is it? What state are we in? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah like Kansas's ninth congressional district school board is about to have, like, yeah. <laughs> like, let's get in there and win. 17% of the, like. But I, I, I think that, like, one of the things that is, is important to talk about is, like, the degree of engagement that people have with their own government, the way their government works, and how we need to be more active and more activist and, and more kind of and more out there and in contact with each other and with the people who actually have the power to make decisions that affect us like we need to make ourselves heard and visible to those people and you do mean like liberals when you say we because it seems like you know, like there was turnouts for conservatives and conservatives are impacting their government. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, yes. I, 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 I do mean liberals <laughs> when I talk about we, um, because that's the we that I'm a part of. But I think that it also would, I think if everyone had a better understanding, like, whoever you are, liberal, conservative, independent, what have you, if all of us had a better understanding of how things work and how they don't work, I think we would make different choices. Um, like, I mean, this is just like a, a, a dumb little thing, but like there was this American Life did this uh, story about... Um, the State Department and the email, like just like the physical situation of sending and receiving emails from the State Department and how antiquated various systems are and how like long it's been. And I feel like if more people understood how things actually work, or in that case, don't work, like the whole question of Hillary's emails would be would have been different. People would have had a very different understanding of it if they were more familiar with how things work. And I think if people were more familiar with how their local governments work, like they would feel a greater sense of, uh, of engagement and buy-in and you wouldn't have 46% of people not voting because they would, you would have a greater understanding of like how they're part of the process and how necessary we are.
But, you know, part of me is also like, look, if you choose not to show up, like, you get what you get. I don't understand why you would choose not to show up. Why would you choose not to be part of the process? And I get, like, not loving either candidate, but there was a huge difference between, like, what those candidates meant for the direction the country would go in. And I got to say, I mean, you know, now that we're past the primary process, a lot, I, I do really feel like a lot of the reasons that people gave for not liking Hillary Clinton or not connecting with her are rooted in sexism or rooted in stories they heard because of sexism. Like they may personally themselves not be sexist, but the things that they heard about Hillary Clinton that made them not like her, they heard because of the inherent sexism of the system that that poked, you know, that pointed out these certain things about her in a way that it would not they would not have been an issue with a male candidate. I am prepared to believe that. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've heard other people say that. And that's, again, where I just defer to, like, my radar may not be up on all of that. You know what I mean? Because it seems like, it seems to me that the email thing is, like, just political opportunism. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, but that's just it is, like, I'm mystified by why people didn't like Hillary so much like mystified like i know there's people that don't like barack obama and i'm like what <laughs> i'm like what's not to like He's you so have cool. five that <laughs> do you not understand yeah um yeah i mean i certainly don't like everything president obama has done sure but i have fundamental faith in his integrity as a per in his character right um yeah, so, so and they, I, yeah. I think it is telling that people who personally know Hillary Clinton have a much different image and picture of her than people who do not. Mm -hmm. I think this, the, the stories that the people who don't like her have heard about her have been told to them by people who had an agenda. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, 20% of people who voted for her, according to this Edison research, said that they did not feel she had the temperament and that she was not trustworthy, you know? Like. Yeah. I'm The temperament thing actually may be, like, a little bit lower than 20% on her end. Um, right. Yeah. Versus, like, uh, let me see. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Only 5%. Only 5% said she didn't have, of the people who voted for her, said she didn't have the temperament. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I just like, I don't get it. Oh, I don't understand people. But I mean, the trustworthiness thing, like, I get that, like, they're, People have been sold this 
story of her as not being, and, and she has made choices that are clearly like, that was not the best thing to do. <laughs> I'm sure that you wake up in the morning regretting that choice every single day. Every single day. <laughs> she wakes up and is like, oh my God, why didn't I carry two blackberries? <laughs> that would have been better than this. Um, but like I, I understand where her desire to be private comes from I understand where her desire to protect herself comes from and it comes from people being assholes to her <laughs> because she's a woman for 30 years swearing a lot this episode i want to swear more you can swear more swear away these are these are exceptional times <laughs> um i'm getting hungry yes. and my dinner is ready let's stop um any parting thoughts um parting thoughts okay I, I, I have a few parting thoughts and I, I do want to like come back to and reiterate this point of how we can't tell people how to feel. And as much as you might think that there is, um, And ineffectiveness to like venting anger and frustration and fear in this yeah. time. I, I I feel like I I could not. I would not want to deny that to to so to people who are feeling that. And so I'm like totally not on board with the calm downs that are happening. Like if people are concerned about their safety and well being. They should freak out because apparently that's what people pay attention to. Do you know what I mean? Like all the people who voted for Trump, like one of like the narratives that were being told is like they were angry and Trump connected with their anger and understood it. And that is why he won. I have heard that story. That is like, that is a narrative that we were being told. So with that narrative out there to then go to other people and be like, don't you be angry is like, Come on. But I, when I say, don't you be angry, I'm like thinking of that first narrative and I'm like, that's how you get President Trump. Like, when you're, like, if you're not being thoughtful, like, and all those angry people that Trump tapped into their rage, like, they were wrong to be mad about a lot of that stuff, you know? Like, that anger, I think a large part of that anger is like, real and justified and like good for them like i'm not going to tone police 60 percent of your anger but 40 percent of your anger i think was injected into you on purpose to yeah. and manipulate you and i feel like that's what i don't th i'm like i want 40 percent of that anger to be considered like consider this like that there's 
players in the world who want you to be mad so that you'll do what they say. And I'm like, that you need to be on guard about. And I think that when a lot of the posts that I see on Facebook and like, God help me, I'm like on Facebook now. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's not proportional because like when you say like, oh, like, look at like America, how America voted. It's like, yeah, that's technically true. But when you like dig down in the numbers and you see how many people didn't vote at all, how many people didn't vote for Trump and how many people reluctantly voted for Trump. It, it, it's like now be now react to that number, you know? And I feel like nobody's saying that. And that's why I was like, I want us to do a podcast where at the very least we can talk about our feelings, which are all very valid and everybody has valid feelings. I wouldn't say that, but I just want to be like, I want to introduce like proportionality into the rage. Yes. I hear that. I totally hear that. Yes. I would just, caution you as a white man in you know at the apex of all of the privilege points yes except perhaps for wealth uh, yes. <laughs> that be prepared for people to not be ready to hear that from you well, right. And that's why I haven't said it on Facebook. And I was like, I wanted to, like, the podcast is my safe space where I feel like we can spend an hour and, and <clears throat> excuse me, we can spend an hour and a half, like, elaborating and, and providing some context where it's not, you know, so that people don't think I'm saying, like, you have no reason to be mad or, like, don't be mad because you look bad or something. Yeah, yeah. I just want to be like, only be, like, mad the right amount you know don't be mad because somebody else is trying to get you to be more mad and don't be mad about the wrong information and that i am totally i'm totally with you on that like especially like don't be mad about the wrong information yeah. because that really is how we got to this place yeah exactly a lot of being mad about the wrong information and yeah, and this goes back to what we're, you were saying earlier, which is like, there's like a big place for feelings to be had. And I, I do believe that. And I respect that. And I, I feel like, yeah, like, I don't want to deny emotions or anything. I just feel like accurate, accurate rage. <laughs> yes. Yes. I am completely in agreement with you about that. Um, so, yeah, and I, I don't want to, like, I'm thinking of, like, the, the final thoughts thing, and you want to end on, uh, on kind of, like, a, a hopefulness or a positive <laughs> or, like, a, you know, like, this is, we have, we can do this, but I feel like there's a, a, a certain amount of that that feels like it would be stomping on People, you know, like asking people who have already like been pushing a boulder up a hill for two centuries or more. Yeah. Uh, and the hill just got steeper and the boulder just got heavier. And trying to like cheerlead people through that is just like, yeah, I know people are like tired and they've been struggling for a long time and it just, the struggle just got harder and steeper 
And to be like Pollyanna on top of that just feels like it is does a disservice. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think of like good final thought to have, but I mean, the, like the final thought to have is that like this isn't final, right? And and that hopefully people are galvanized and are uh, hopefully the you know there are some people who were complacent and have gotten like shaken up in you know in a way that will that will make us more active and more present for each other and like looking really like looking out and not expecting like it was if a thing can come out of this, I hope it's that people will not look around, like see something bad happening, see an injustice being done, and they won't now look around and be like, well, somebody's going to fix that. Like, we'll know, like, no, it has to be us, because apparently 60 million people will not help fix that, you know, are not going to stop that person from being bullied, are not going to stop those people from being targeted. Like, it has to be me. Because I'm the one who's here. So let's take that. That's that's my final thought. Be the person. Be the person who stands up. I love it. I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> and and I will throw one other thing. I'm stealing things from people left and right. But I just watched uh, John Oliver last night, and the thing from him that it was really my takeaway is like, keep reminding yourself that this is not normal. Don't let this become normal. Like these feelings and the the sense of hopelessness, and uh, you know, or or that like uh, attacking people who are different from you is okay. Like, don't we can't let that become normal. Even though I fear it will be happening more often. We can't let it become normal to us that it's happening. Well, yeah, I do have one thing to add. I feel like my final thought, in addition to feeling all the feelings, hopefully mm -hmm. being accurate with the with the terror. Yes. Responsible to being terrorized. Because um, I'm, you know, mm -hmm. not to tone police or tell someone the right way to be terrorized. Um, but I feel like this is like a huge learning moment, I feel like. Um, and I hope and look forward to it never happening again, where all these people who nobody thought about, like these Trump voters that came out of nowhere... You know, that just weren't on anybody's radar. Like, I want I want the next election. I want everybody to know a lot more about where everybody stands in the light of day, you know, including the, the mean and frightening and racist and sexist. And, you know, like, I want to know that stuff. Like, I don't want to be surprised. Like, I don't like that feeling. <laughs> to be surprised like when you said like oh we're it we're worse than i thought like i never want to feel that anymore i only want to feel like i know exactly how bad we are yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> so have an accurate understanding. And I really do think that in the same way, you know, we talk about like white folks having to educate other white folks. And I think that is important and necessary. I think that there is an unfair burden on uh, oppressed people to shoulder more than their share of the work in order to accelerate progress. And I think that's where liberals are right now, that liberals have to shoulder more of the reaching across the aisle, you know what I mean? Like sitting down with the racist uncle or somebody who says, I'm not racist, but here's why I gave the pass. Like, and we just have to do that. And it's not like pleasant or, you know, maybe it's fair. I don't know, but it's up to us, I guess, you know, we are the ones that are so interested. <laughs> like, so I don't know. I hope that that happens. So that, yeah. And we also, like, there is a degree to which we are safer. When that happens. Well, no, like, it is, it is safer for us to do, do, to do it than to ask someone, uh, someone who could be putting themselves in a, in a position where they could be threatened. Or I hear what you're saying, yeah. Reaching, a, you know, like, reaching across to that racist, like... It is safer for me to reach across to a racist and try and bring them around than to, you know, ask my black friend to reach across yeah. to that Can racist. Can you explain that, that yeah. racist yeah. while I That's, grab a Coke? Yeah. <laughs> That's not appropriate. Yeah. Or safe or kind. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, um, I agree with you completely. All right. Well, thank you for doing this. Yes, of course. Thank you. We'll put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Minim minimal, if any, editing. Unedited version. This is what it's yeah. really like. <laughs> awesome. Have a nice dinner. All right. Thanks. Have a good networking times. Thanks.